eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yeah, I was playing with the Bulls, and a guy was eating fried chicken on the bench, sneaking it. And when he got up, when the coach called him in, the chicken bone fell out his pocket, and I couldn't believe it. We were all stunned. I'm going to guess one guy. If I get it right, will you admit it? And then I won't guess again. I wish we were on camera, because then I would have to give you like a, a, some type of signal. But yeah, go for it. Strick. No, it was not Strick. Hey, what's cracking? Welcome back to another edition of the Original Side Hustle, a.k.a. the Jim Rome Podcast, episode 258, where my guest this week is essentially the definition of a basketball lifer, and I mean that in the best way imaginable. This guy is all class. What great pedigree. He went number eight overall in 2000 out of Michigan, went on to rack up 20 seasons in the association. He had an amazing career, a three-time winner of the Sixth Man of the Year Award. He is, of course, Jamal Crawford. What I'm saying is it would be awfully tough to find anybody anywhere who loves hoops more and is more plugged into the association than my guy, Jamal which is why it's no surprise that he is absolutely thriving in retirement as an analyst for Turner Sports and NBA TV. And it's why I can't wait to chop it up with Jamal in a long-form conversation because you know he's got amazing stories and anecdotes. So let's not waste time. Let's get right to it. It is episode 258 of the Jim Rome Podcast with 20-year NBA vet Jamal Crawford. And it's coming at you right now. Jamal, it is so good. It is always an absolute honor and a privilege to be able to chop it up with you, my man. How you feeling? How are things? I'm great. How are you doing? Dude, I'm great. I am awesome. Perfect time of year to get caught up with you, so why don't we jump right into it? Let me get caught up first on a couple of things. Number one, I would be hard-pressed to find anybody who loves the game and the sport like you do, so it's no surprise to me that you have stayed as close to it as you have. As part of that Tuesday night ensemble with the NBA on TNT, Jamal, start right there. What's it like to work on that show, and then what's it like to work with the big fella Shaq? Because obviously, the dynamic when he and Chuck are together is very different than anything else. What's it like when you guys come together it's totally different obviously you know with with Shaq and Chuck Chuck is kind of the big brother and Shaq is the little brother always clowning around with us he's clowning around but he kind of takes on the big brother approach and I'm the young guy coming up and he's helping everybody out there and he's you know the the sage wise I don't know if you saw what he said last night about Ja was great but he's the like the sage guy who still has fun so it's a little bit different dynamic but I love the Tuesday show Candace Parker is a legend. Adam Lefko is a, is a star, a rising star in the business as well. So we have a great, great 
chemistry and it's growing every single show. So, Jamal, if you would reset that, you just said you don't know if, if I saw, but I know there are people who did not see it. What did Shaq say about Jaw? And I want to get into it with you as well and get your thoughts. Yeah, he just basically said that, you know what, it was not just a mistake, it was a decision that he made. And, and you know, we're not going to condemn him and say, you know, we're not going to accept him and, and be there for him, but he has to accept responsibility for that decision. And, you know, we've all dreamed about being in this position, you know, so let's not ruin it now once we get here. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but he said a lot more than that, but it was really good. So what do you make of that? Like we're talking about jaw and jaw is the face of the franchise. One of the faces of the entire sport. And he certainly can still be all those things. Right. But it seems like he's fallen off the path after a series of poor choices, culminating with that video on social media with what appeared to be him waving a gun in a club. When you see that, what do you think is going on with him if you had to speculate? And then how concerning is all of that behavior and that pattern to you? Well, yeah, it's, it's definitely concerning. But I've been saying this for a while. This is where vets come into play. And I'm not saying the vet could have stopped, you know, the last situation. But a vet is a guy who's been there before. We've, we've took our lumps. We've made our mistakes. And we've, we've learned from them. And so when you see that and you see somebody maybe getting off path just a little bit, you pull their coattail. Hey, you know, that's what Udonis Haslam does in Miami. You know, that's what other vets do other places that are there. I think the Grizzlies' average age may be 27. You know, not saying Steven Adams is the vet. He's 29 years old. But, you know, you have to have guys who have been in the league 15, 16, 17 years. Imagine Isaiah Thomas or Lou Williams or, you know, guys like that being on the team and they kind of see, you know, the path that is kind of going, going towards. You're like, you know what? Hey, hey, slow down a little bit, young fella, and kind of pull their coattail. And I think that's missing the league. And it's not only on the court, it's off the court as well. And, and you know, you hate to see it, but I, I'm, it's not a loss. It's a lesson if you absolutely learn from the stuff that's been going on. Yes, that's interesting. It's not a loss. It's a lesson. For instance, do you think that a couple of games away will give him a chance to reset himself and get right? Or does it seem like he's going to have to do a deeper dive than that? Uh, well, I think a couple games is the start of it. You know, who knows where it goes because he only he knows exactly what he's dealing with. But I love that he actually accepted responsibility. He didn't say, you know, it was this or that, or this guy did this. He was like, no, it was all me. I need to get some help, and I need to, you know, try to correct this thing. And I think that's the first step of getting things going in the right direction. Jamal, you seem like you were like a pro when you arrived. Like you were always kind of leveled up and squared away. When you first came to the league, who were some of the vets that would keep guys on the straight and narrow, keep guys focused and doing the right things and show them the ropes? Well, for me, it was the Charles Oakleys. You know, I played with Scotty Pippen second or third year in the league i play with the the rick brunson's the kendall gills like these were guys greg anthony they've been in the league 15 plus years so you know being on time isn't showing up at 15 minutes before it's getting there two hours early like they showed me how to be a pro and, and right now i think that's missing not only on memphis but in the league in general like i i called the rising stars game in the all-star game a couple weeks back and the rising stars in the g league all-stars were the same average age it was unbelievable so it's like we have to continue to get vets in there who can kind of help set a solid foundation for some of these young guys coming up. Jamal, you mentioned Oak. Like, Oak is a guy, I love Charles Oakley, and everybody fears Oakley for the right reason. Like, you just do not want to cross Oak. I mean, why would you want to, but you really don't want to? What was he like? Like, as an intimidating force, a leader, a pro? How would you describe Oak, like, when you met him and when you came up? Very real, very genuine. If he was down for you, he was down for you all the way. Oak was a truth teller. And what I mean by that was he wasn't going to sugarcoat anything. He was going to tell you the truth whether you liked it or not. And that's just how he was raised. And he he made sure to, to leave that on all the young guys. 
from myself to, to Eddie Curry, to Tyson Chandler, to Marcus Pfizer. Like he told all of us what it was, how to be pros, how to have a long career and how to take care of things you need to take care of on and off the court. And that was so needed. I didn't know I was missing. You know, you don't know what you don't know when you're a young guy coming in. And that type of professionalism helped me have a long career. Jamal, the league was so different back then, right? Like I had a conversation with Gilbert Arenas on my daily show last week. And he was great. He was doing Gilbert Arenas type things. And I mean that in a really good way. Like he said, prior to coming on the show, he said half in jest that Michael Jordan was actually the GOAT because he was the one who rid the league of the booger sugar back in the day. Incredible line, right? But then he said something, Jamal, that was amazing to me. He said that he can remember nights, Gil said this, when he'd run the floor and a guy or guys would have a little bag of Coke fall out of their shoes and you entered the league right around the same time he did. I mean, is that just Gil saying crazy things or did you ever see anything like that? I never personally saw that ever in my life, to be honest with you. But Gil's a smart guy, so I'm not saying he's lying. I'm not saying he's not telling the truth. But I never personally saw that, you know. And so, yeah, I, I can't say I did. I won't even exaggerate or try to get anything for shock value because I didn't personally see it. But, no, nah, Michael Jordan, uh, speaking along those lines, he, he he did so much for the league, you know. And, and obviously, I think we're all still in depth for the stuff he did for the league. And guys before him as well, the Dr. J's and guys, Bill Russell, you know, Will Chamberlain, all these guys, Larry Bird, Magic, all these guys who helped set the tone for what the league is today. Yeah, and no, I'm not looking for anything from shock. I'm not looking for shock value from you, but Gil gave it to me. That, that sounded like a wild story. Like, Yeah, that's wild. That is a wild. No, that's no shock there. That's a wild story. I just have never seen that. Nor I've have never I. never once in my life seen Nor that. Nor have I, but no. he that was 2001. That, that's not like 1975. That was 2001. But, you know, when you look, Jamal, at your career, you didn't just play 20 years. You played at an exceptionally high level for 20 years. As an example, you scored 50 in a game for the Bulls when you were 24. Full circle, you scored 50 in a game for the Suns when you were 39. And then in between all that, you had 50-point games for the Warriors and the Nets or Knicks. That's an incredibly high level of consistency and longevity. How were you able to play at such a high level for so long? Well, I think it's the way I lived. Uh, you can't be just a pro on the court. You have to be a pro off the court with your diet, the way you take care of yourself, the stretching, the the maintenance work, the cold tubs, the foam rolls, all those things. And I'm just in it. I'm going to work out after I get off this interview with you. I'm just, it's a lifestyle for me, you know? And so with that, if you love something, you'll do whatever it takes to, to be closer to that. And I love the game. It's, you know, as you said, it, it's just an incredible, it has an incredible hold on me. And so I was always thankful, always grateful, and I always wanted to be at my best. And I just stayed in love with the game. Even a guy like LeBron, that's one of the most impressive things is his love for the game, even having being worth a billion dollars and all the movies and all the fame and acclaim. He's always stayed in love with the game. And I think that's so impressive for guys like yeah. that. Are you craving some protein after a good workout? Don't make a shake or eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper instead. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender. It's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And it goes wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you are buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. And if you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper, what's your beef?
two things that you just said that are amazing to me. Number one, I loved your first response that the reason you were such a great player was because of it was a lifestyle. It was not just a commitment to a game. It was a commitment to a way of life. Like that whole thing, everything that goes into it, like you just said, as soon as I'm done with you, I'm going to go work out. All those things. Did you always love the process or did you learn to love the process because you knew what it could do for you? Oh, no, I always loved it. I loved it more than anything. Jim, when I was a kid and I dreamed about being in the NBA, I, I remember I was 11 years old and I said, I'll pay the NBA to play in the NBA. I don't have any money, <laughs> but I just want to play there so bad. And so for me, I never took that for granted. And I just loved it and loved it. And I always have. And I'm, I'm very thankful. I'm very appreciative. Even the guys who came before me. There was a guy in Seattle by the name of David Wingate, and he didn't play a lot. He was the guy people would say was always on the bench all the time. I looked at him like a hero when I saw him because he lived. He was living a dream that I dreamed about. And so I was always just thankful and appreciative for everybody. So, Jamal, what about LeBron? I've always wondered this about the highest level guys. It's incredible to me. Tom Brady, LeBron, guys that have so much. And, I mean, where that drive, man, that drive to continue to do all those things that they did when they were on the come up and now they're a billionaire or they've got this or they've got that. How do you still have that mentality? I mean, love of the game is one thing, but there's such a grind and so much preparation that goes into it. How do you maintain that level of discipline and love of the process? Well, I think it's it's it goes longer journey, right? Like you go from, man, you're inspired. Look at you, Jim. Look how long you've been in the game and you still have the same zest. Not even just the same love. You have the same zest to get up every single day and, and do what you do and be the very best at it. And I think for a guy like LeBron or Kobe or MJ, these guys who played a long, long time, their love for the game, and then you go from being inspired by people to you doing the inspiring. And you know that these eyes are upon you. You know you're changing somebody's life in some way, whether it be a handshake, a smile, a hug, you know, an autograph, a picture, whatever it is. And you want to be at your very best because when these kids are watching you, they're not saying, oh, man, you know, LeBron had to do a photo shoot. He had to do a commercial. He had to go get his rest. He had to take his kids to school. And then he had to come perform and get his best for us. Like, they're not thinking all that. They're saying, you know what? I love LeBron James. I love Kobe Bryant. I love Michael Jordan. I want to see them at their very best. I wanted these Christmas, uh, you know, tickets I got for Christmas. And I want to see them. I'm going to see them one time all year. And I want them at their best. And so that inspiration keeps you drive going as well. That drive. You know you're, you're impacting future generations and what – better way to to be the best but to impact people that are coming after you see i think jamal you understand that you figured that out some people never ever figure that out and i think you do you figured that out at a pretty early age so let me ask you this you love the game and maybe you'll never love any other thing like people aside you know family friends aside maybe you never love anything quite like you love the game but what about broadcasting business anything you do off the floor can you have the same passion whatever come close to matching the passion you have for the game? Because it almost sounds like it, or maybe is it just a passion and zest for life? Yeah, it's, it's a little bit of both. I'm a lifer. I really am, Jim. Like, I, I was scared to retire, to be honest with you, because I was like, what else am I going to do? What else is going to bring me such joy to be around the game? And I started coaching my son before I officially retired and coaching my nephew and coaching those kids. And it was a whole other way of loving the game because now you're teaching it. And you're going through your whole journey again of things you learned at nine years old, 10 years old, 11 years old, and so on. And so when you're teaching it and seeing it go and, and actually transfer, and these kids are going from practice to the court, from the court to the to the big environments where they're playing like these big games and people are against them and they're coming through on that side or maybe not coming through that time, 
but seeing, you know what, we can get better at this and going back to the drawing board. And so coaching like really saved me because I didn't know what I was going to do to bring me the same joy. And now talking the game, like if you told me I could play in one NBA game tomorrow or I could commentate a game and coach in the same day, I'm doing the second option for mm. sure. It's not, it's not even close. And I still love to play. I just played the other day with Isaiah Thomas, but it's different. It's a different type of love now because I'm teaching these kids. I'm talking the game to the world. And I just love the game so much. I'm not actually playing it anymore, but I can coach it and I can talk it. And this is my new second chapter. And I love it. And Jamal, what happened when you and Isaiah came together? I mean, you can't physically, well, dude, you're in amazing shape. You can't do obviously what you did back then, but do you, when you hit the floor, does it all come back? And do you go as hard as you used to, at least relatively speaking? What's it like when you and Isaiah come together and play? We don't lose, Jim. We're on the same team. And if I sent you video, you would say, oh, man, that looks like 2014 Clippers, Jamar, right there. I promise wow. you. Like, I'm, I'm still – the skills are still sharp. I don't, I don't run as much anymore. So I play – instead of playing uh, 15 games, I may play eight. But I'm still doing the same thing for that hour, hour and a half, and then I get up out of there. I think that's awesome. So when you coach, Jamal, I'm really curious about that. Like, when I watch my – our sons, I've got a senior. We have a senior in college. We have a senior in high school. Dude, I, maybe you can identify with – or explain this, or maybe not, because you're a high-level athlete. I'm telling you, man, I've never been so stressed as I am when I watch my high school senior play baseball. And this is not some crazy high-level state championship. Like, maybe, 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 if the kid had a little more drive, he could play some small-level college baseball. But it's not even about that. Like, it's so intense. What is that? Why do we care so much when I've been in much higher level things in my own life that never stress me out like watching my kid play baseball? Because we don't have control, right? And we're not the actual when you're when you're doing your thing, it's you. It's, it comes down to you. You're prepared. You know what you're talking about. You've done your research. You've done everything you need to do. You checked all the boxes. When it's your kid, because I go through it as well. When it's your kid, it's like you know what? I know we prepare, but man, I. I don't have control, and I know, I know. I just want you to do so well, right? And, and that's what it comes down to. We want them to do so well and have such success. And like you said, we've kind of reached the top of the mountain in, in our respective fields, but they're starting their journey, right? And it's like it's just that pure joy, that pure innocence of just loving on them, loving your kid, and wanting them to do well. And that's just being a parent. I think that's fair. Jamal, is it okay if they don't want it as badly as you did? I had to kind of give myself over to, it's their journey. It's their journey. It's their life. It's their journey. I'm going to teach you what I know. I'm going to help you in any way I can. But, you know, we're all different. We're wired differently. They may not want it as much. Is that okay with you if they don't? Absolutely. I just want them to find their passion, right. whatever it is. Because once they find their passion, they'll put their all into that. It may not be talking the game. It may not be playing the game. It may be an art. It may be helping people, being a doctor or whatever it might be. Just find your passion because when you find that, you'll you'll find yourself because you'll throw yourself into it. You'll you'll find the highs and lows, the the character, the, what work ethic really is. Like that to me is finding your passion is the most important thing. That's my thing. I agree with you. Find something you love and then go at it hard. Try hard. Be about the right stuff. Be a good person and just. You know, leave it all out there. So, Jamal, when I look back on your career, God, there's so many amazing things about your career. When you come to L.A. and you're part of the high-flying Clippers and you look back on those teams, Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre, yourself, are you amazed at the group? I mean, you need luck. Obviously, you need luck. But are you amazed that as talented as that group was, it never made the conference finals? And when you look back on that, what kind of thoughts do you have about that team? Absolutely. You just said it. It was probably my favorite team to ever play on. But the fact we didn't make 
even the finals, I'm going to take it a step further. Even not winning it, but making the finals. People forget before Golden State went on their run, we were the last team to put them out. They also forget that we put the Spurs out after they beat the Heatles in the, in the finals. The, the next year, we put them out in the first round. One of the epic first rounds ever, but we just didn't get it done. And, and it, I bet if we're all being honest with ourselves, we look back and say, you know what? We let a golden opportunity slip away. Jamal, how, so why is that? Were there personal agendas? Was everybody not all in? Why do you feel like it slipped away and was kind of on you guys as opposed to somebody else? I think a couple of different reasons, if I'm being honest. I think mental toughness, when, when things got the toughest, I think we kind of splintered a little bit and we didn't like really just get into each other. And I think another reason is youth. Well, the youth part of it, like, hey, we'll be back. You know, we're young enough. We're, we can have a nice run. We'll be back. I think that was part of it. And we didn't look back from like the old veteran perspective, like, fellas, you're going to get this opportunity a couple times in life. Take advantage of it. And we weren't there yet. Discover credit cards do something pretty awesome. At the end of your first year, they automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you have earned doubled. All the cash back from eating at your favorite restaurant doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learned to snowboard also doubled. And the best part, you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it. Discover does it automatically. Seriously, though. See terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. Man, we're all guilty of that, right? You never appreciate what you have in the moment because you think, number one, you just don't know. And then number two, you think it's always going to be that way. So then why would you say that was your favorite team? What did you like best about that? Because we really were a team. Like, it was a family atmosphere. All the kids. Like, I know Matt Barnes' kids, Chris Paul's kids. I've seen J.J. Reddick have a son and then have kids and then be all in the locker room. And the kids love when we won just as much as we did because they got to come to the locker room and steal all the gum and, and have their own games in the locker room right when we're still there, you know, about to get ready to leave. So it was just like that whole atmosphere and the culture that was built. It was truly like a family. It was just so talented. We literally had everything you could want in the team. So that part was just so much fun. And we were fun to watch. I mean, Lob City was one of the funnest teams to watch in recent memory. Oh, dude, you guys were so fun to watch. I mean, Jamal, the chemistry, when you mentioned the, the personalities, what was the chemistry like? These are really, look, I get there's going to be diverse personalities. These are really strong, strong personalities. How did that all come together? What was that like? Well, I think when you have a Chris Paul and Blake Griffin kind of leading the ship, you know, and I, and I always say it's tough to have two guys that are superstars playing the same position. Think about guys like Tatum and Brown. Just a couple years back, people were like, oh, we need to trade one of them. We need to split them up. Like, no, let them grow, let them develop. But these two guys in particular, one being a big guy, one being a guard, you know, they led the ship. And then DeAndre, JJ, Matt, myself, and we kind of the core group. And we had vets come in, Chauncey Billups, Lamar Odom, Grant Hill, Paul Pierce. You know, so it was just the perfect mix of, of guys who were at a, a sweet spot in their career. God, it's crazy. You know, when you think about Lamar, a lot of it, it's sad to think about Lamar and what has happened and some of the choices. But just from a basketball standpoint, Jamal, when Lamar came up, can, can you take one second and just remind people how extraordinarily gifted Lamar was and what he could do for a big man? I mean, there literally was nothing he couldn't do, right? One of the most naturally talented basketball players I ever played with. Like, he could do everything. He could handle the ball. He could shoot it. His basketball intelligence was so underrated. Great IQ. He could. He was unselfish. 
He could guard. He could play multiple positions. He, you can put him in the starting lineup or off the bench, and he was the connector of the group, you know, so he could fit with both groups and kind of connect both groups. So he could do so much. Naturally talented. It was shocked he was never an all-star. I believe he played in the Olympics one time, maybe, of the World Games or some of that sort. But everybody knew, all his peers knew how good he was and just so, so talented before his time, for sure. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. All those things before his time and universally beloved. Like, guys love Lamar and so unselfish and such a good dude. So before you go, some quick thoughts. What do you make of what you've seen so far from Kyrie Irving and Luka? How do they look to you together on the floor? And obviously, it's going to take a little bit of time. Do they have enough time to put it together and make any kind of run late? I think they have enough time to put it together, but I think a lot of their success will be who they get in the first round, right. who they get in their first matchup to see if they can win a round. They can do it offensively. And what I love to see, though, is they both are trying to make it work. It's not like, okay, Luca's saying, hey, I came here. This is my, you know, you came here. This is my show. I was already here. It's not like Kyrie saying, hey, I'm the new kid in town. I'm taking over. They're trying to make it work. I've seen both of them take last-second shots. And even if they missed or made, the other one wasn't like, man, that's my shot I usually get. He was like, no, nah, go for it. We'll get it next time. And when you have two guys who have bought in and kind of sold themselves to each other in the team, Good things can come from that. But I think they're at their best when they're playing a little bit faster. I think, you know, the game will slow down in the playoffs, but when they're playing a little bit faster in the regular season, it gives more flow to their offense. Assuming they get a favorable matchup, do you think they can get the stops that they need to win in advance? Well, not individually, to be honest with you. I think they're going to have to show some zone. I think Jake Kidd is going to have to take a page out of the year when he won the championship uh, with Dirk just to get by and kind of junk the game up a little bit and kind of dictate who they want to get the shots by playing that zone defense. Yeah, I think that protects them. It saves their energy because they're going to get, you know, have to use a lot, ton of energy in the playoffs. But I, I expect to see some zone for sure when they're, when they're rolling in the playoffs. It's kind of interesting you mentioned Jay Kidd as a coach. When you look back on your career, who was maybe a coach or two that you really liked to play for, that you admired, that you would go, I mean, no matter what, you were going to give everything you had because you were that pro. But was there ever a guy that you wanted to win for specifically as a head coach? Yeah, I wanted to win for Isaiah because he, he signed me, you know, and he did an unbelievable job. Mike Woodson, when I came to Atlanta, because, you know, he was the first one to say, you're going to come off the bench, but I still need you to go lead the league off the bench and score. So he really embraced me. Uh, Doc Rivers as well. You know, I, I felt like he was uh, much more than just a coach, and, and he was more of a life coach as well, and he had such success in Boston. You root for guys like that. You know, and then Jock Bond in the bubble. I really was very fond of Jock Bond. I only played one game for him, but he's a guy I wish I could have played more for because he was a combination of a lot of guys I had played for and just a stand-up guy. So I wanted, I rooted for him and wish I could have did more for him. Dude, that is incredible. That's incredible praise. You just said that about Jock when you only played one day for him. Guys, keep yourself tight and feeling confident with new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant, reformulated with 72-hour sweat and odor protection and one-quarter moisturizing cream. Stop worrying about your underarms so you can be present for the moments that matter. Do not let underarm insecurities keep you at arm's distance from the ones you care about. Buy new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant with 72-hour sweat and odor protection wherever personal care products are sold. You know, I talked to Mike Woodson yesterday, and I had not talked to him in a couple of years. It was so great to get caught up with Mike Woodson. I was always such a fan of his as a player and a coach. You know, you made the point, Jamal, before you go, that he was the guy that said to you, hey, I need you to come off the bench. You could be a really important uh, cog in our machine if you did that. I mean, Jamal, you, you, were, you were selected eighth. 
you were a starter for a number of years. That's not an easy thing, and you ultimately embraced it, and you just crushed it. You were a great, great sixth man. But initially, how hard was that to accept when you knew you were a starter? It was very hard, but I got a point in my career where I was being known as the losing guy on bad teams, and I was scoring a lot, but I wasn't winning. And I was like, you know what? I won as a kid. I won in high school championships. You know, in college, I had success winning. So I, I want that feeling. I'll do whatever it takes. And as Faye would have it, I got traded to the Hawks, and they had their starting five in place. And I said, you know what? I'll come off the bench, no problem. And it was it changed the course of my career. I'm not sure I play as long if I don't come off the bench. I'm not sure, you know, I have as much success. And it gave my career a whole different look because now when I walk in gyms and I'm with these kids, they're saying, I want to come off the bench because you did. I'm like, wow, it wasn't a cool thing. And I didn't know that's the life it would take on. I thought I was just doing the right thing for my team. So it's been unbelievable. And more people remember me for the second half of my career than they do the first half. Now. God, dude, that's incredible, right? Like, can you imagine if you weren't who you were and you pushed back and you didn't embrace that, how different your career and maybe your life would have been? That That is an amazing story and anecdote. So really quickly, you did spend five years with the Knicks, clearly the league, and the product overall is better when the Knicks are competitive and they're relevant. So where do you come out? Are they built to be more than just a nice regular season story? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm really, I'm torn. Uh, if you had to ask me to go one way or another right now, I would say they'll be better than the regular season. They may be able to win a round depending on the matchup, but I'm just not sure. Getting Jalen Brunson is huge for them, though, because not only is it huge for them right now, I think he's the guy other stars will look at and say, you know what, I want to play with that type of guy. Like, he's a winner. He's a quarterback. He uh, is someone who's going to put everybody in position. He's a thinker while he's out there. And guys are trying to win or, or need to play with thinkers. And what better city than in New York? So, Jamal, leave me with this thought. You look amazing. I'm really curious. As I get older, I think about these things. Like, as you approach your fitness, are you lifting weights? Are you doing hot yoga? Like, what what is your approach to keeping mind and body as sound as possible at this point in your life? Well, I still play. Uh, I still play. I'm doing uh, weight room work every day, whether it be abs, whether it be, you know, a little bit of lifting, some cardio. I'm doing that every single day. I change my diet. I don't eat, you know, candy anymore, which was the hardest thing for me to give up. Uh, and it's just another challenge because as I'm not being as active as, as I was as a player, I can't just eat every single time. So I'll eat a couple times a day now. And it's another mountain to climb. I said, you know what? I'm in it. I want to challenge myself. And, and Jim, not, uh, another thought while you asked me, the only thing I've ever seen fall out of a player's pocket or shoe or anything was a chicken bone. I'm not going to say the player. I was in Chicago, and a guy was eating chicken, fried chicken on the bench, and it fell out of his jacket pocket when he got up to go in the game. Oh, dude, that's and I won't incredible. Say his name. That's incredible. I, okay, wait. Did you say it was in Chicago? Yeah, I was playing with the Bulls, and a guy was eating fried chicken on one of those early teams on the bench, sneaking it. And when he got up, when the coach called him in, the chicken bone fell out the, the his pocket, and I couldn't believe it. We were all stunned. That's the only thing I ever seen fall out. Hey, Jamal, first of all, thank you for sharing that. I'm going to guess one guy. If I get it right, will you admit it? And then I won't guess again. I wish we were on camera because then I would have to give you like a, a some type of signal. But, yeah, go for it. Strick. No, it was not strict. <laughs> That's a good guess, though, right? Great guess, but no, it wasn't strict. If Strick has pounded hot dogs before games and Cokes, man, and then getting up and down the way Strick did, and one thought about Strick, how good was Strick, man? How good was Strick? Oh, man, just so much talent, right? Like, that's the thing about it. We know the, the LeBrons, the Jordans, the Kobe's, the, the Bill Russells, the Shaqs, but guys like Strick and guys that are so talented and work so hard 
were just as, you know, not as good, but just as talented. Guys that you just don't know about that were played in the league that have, were service to the league. And, you know, guys that know, no. That's what I'm saying. The real ones know. I'll give you one more guy. Derek Coleman, man. Derek Coleman. Like, of course you know D.C. was D.C., but how great was Derek Coleman? Oh, my gosh. He was before his time as well. Like, when you have a big guy who's not just in the post, a guy who can go in the perimeter, play in the post, can create offense, can play point guard, point forward, those guys were like unicorns at that time, you know, and they would fit right in today's game with positionless basketball, you know, so they were ahead of their time. And those, that's why in COVID I was tweeting out five different guys I was watching every night because I want those guys to get their just due. They need, their names need to be talked about more. And the more we talk about it, the more they will. I oh, see. I'm an old head. I'm throwing these out. Like who else, Jamal, really quickly. Like who I else, like who else, who else, who needs to get more due that's not getting I'm going to tell due. you the one guy. Jeff, yes. The one guy. I just did an interview with him. And this is the one guy I said, you know what? If he could play in today's league, I would pay to see him play. Mahmoud Abdul-Rahim. Oh, dude, I did too. I love Mahmoud. Love him. Oh, Break that down for me. Unbelievable. Break it down, Jamal. Why, well, you especially, why, what made Mahmoud so special and so different? Because guys that can really shoot usually can't handle the ball. And guys that can really handle the ball really can't shoot. He was a combination of both. He was wicked. And it's amazing when you say his name to other pros the first thing they do is shake their head like, man, that guy there was something else. Like he, the quickest release, and he was a perfectionist. He went from like not just making 15 shots in a row. They had to be 15 shots in a row all net. Then progressing that to 15 shots in a row that the ball had to roll back to him perfectly. Or if not, he had to start over. Like he was ahead of his time. Unbelievable athlete as well, but just a perfectionist. And he would average close to 30 in this league, no doubt about it, if he was in his prime. You know, you may have talked to him about his documentary, which is amazing. Like, you wonder, and and he, you know, he did the right thing. Yes, and man. was not appreciated yes. for it. You just wonder what his life and career would have been like, you know, because he feels like he was blackballed, and I think he was, but had he not taken that stand at that time, what he'd be like. I mean, we're talking about a Hall of Famer, right? Oh, no doubt about it. He easily would have been a Hall of Famer, and I think that's why his documentary stand is so important. And is now, I think, People are ready to see it. You know, he was ready to stand then, but now people are ready to watch it and see everything he went through. And a new appreciation is definitely coming through with his game and everything he did. All right, so one last guy, Jamal. Larry Brown used to come on, and I always loved him, man. He was one of my favorite. For a time in my career, Jamal, Larry Brown was my favorite interview because he just he wore it on his sleeve, and I understand that he might have been tough to play for for a lot of guys, but he was so compelling to talk to. And he used to say – John Williams, hot plate, was like the most talented guy he'd ever coached. And I'd say, break that down for me. Like, was he another one of those guys? Like, what do you think that Larry Brown saw in John Williams that was so significant or so different? Hot Rod Williams? Oh, man, he could play too. He, he had so much talent, can get to the basket, can set things up, had great size as well as could make plays. And like we said, at that time, that just wasn't normal. You were an outlier. People didn't really even know how to use you. You know, because they were so used to seeing a certain uh, physical profile of a guy who could post up, but not a guy who could do both at that size. So he was something else. And shout out to Larry Brown. He's the one coach who taught me the most about the game. He was the greatest teacher I've ever played for. So shout out to Larry Brown as well. So glad you said that. He was, and he prided himself on that. He was a teacher. So I lied. Last Last guy. What about Chuck? I mean, you, you overlook Chuck, Jamal, because he's Chuck. But Chuck was six five and a half, and just absolutely a monster on the boards. How much of a unicorn and an outlier was Big Chuck back in the day? I just saw Big Chuck highlights to himself that he forgot at All-Star. Big Chuck was the second best player on the Dream Team at the time. Think, Imagine being the second best player in the world 
to Michael Jordan at six five. He's getting 14, 15 rebounds. He's dominating. He he played when you saw Chuck, you didn't see six five. You saw six ten. You saw seven feet because he was battling with those guys and dominating in such a fashion that was just unbelievable. And and he told me a story that in '84, I believe, he went back and he said he thought he was the best player until he saw this this black dude from North Carolina. He's like, man, this dude, Michael Jordan. I don't know who is this guy. And this was back in like the early Olympics. And he, I said, man, imagine that you were the second best player to him in 84 and the second best player to him in 92 at the dream team. You had a heck of a heck of a run, Chuck, but now nah, he was one of the best ever for sure. God, Jamal, so tell me this, like Chuck and I are good friends now. I like, I adore the guy. He's like, he's like the most wonderful guy. He's beautiful. But back then he wanted to break my face and we had real thing. And then we fixed it and it was easy because he's got such a gigantic heart. What was he like back then? Was he always that big, lovable guy, or was he a super menacing, intimidating guy back then? Like, what was Chuck like I, back in the day? I think both. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. Think he was absolutely on the court. He was menacing. He didn't care. He was. He had a job to do, and he had to be the very best he could be, and he, and he accomplished it. Now, I mean, imagine being in the league and winning MVP with the, the best players ever at a, as a six-five power forward. Like that's unheard of. We may never see a six-five power forward go win MVP again. So on the court, tough as nails, menacing. Off the court is exact opposite. Chuck is the most giving, laughable, fun guy, always, you know, want to make sure everybody's good, make sure everybody's having a good time. He's, like you say, he's a sweet guy. Like he really, really is. And I love him. I'm, I'm honored to have the, the opportunity to work with him as well. I'm sure to say the same thing about you. I'm going to say the same thing about you, Jamal. I appreciate you so much. That You and I have had so many conversations over the years, and they're always amazing, but not better than even today. And that's saying something because the bar has always been so high. I appreciate you, and thank you so much for taking so much time, Jamal. That was great. Jim, you're a legend. Any single time you need me, I'm absolutely here. Honored to be here. Thank you. That's my guy right there. Man, what a class act. Jamal has always been like that, always will be. An excellent communicator, an incredible ambassador and steward of the game. I knew that that would translate to the long-form side hustle the way it did. Many thanks to Jamal. That was an outstanding, outstanding conversation. In fact, if you're looking for more of that extended, unfiltered, and premium conversations, you know where you can go. In fact, you don't have to go anywhere except to the subscribe button. Smash that thing right now, and then you will never have to look for one of these episodes ever again. They will find you every single week. So do me a favor, hit the subscribe button, and then every ep will find you every week going forward. I'll thank you ahead of time for doing that, and I will see you next week for episode 259. Peace. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, 
There's joy in every journey. 